Hey, it's Justin Valdez here, and you're listening to the Strike Zone Podcast. So Dak Prescott wants to be the highest paid player in the NFL, asking for $40 million a year. That is unheard of. The Cowboys reportedly offered him $33 million a year with $100 million guaranteed over the summer, but he turned that down, obviously. If he would have signed that deal, it would have put him right around the same category as Russell Wilson, Big Ben, and Aaron Rodgers. Wilson makes $35 million a year, Big Ben 34 Rodgers and Rams quarterback Jared Goff make $33.5 million a year. Obviously, if the Rams could go back, they would not have given Jared Goff that much. They would love a mulligan on that. But for where does Dak Prescott get off asking for $40 million a year? That is an absurd amount of money for somebody who hasn't proven himself to be worth anywhere near that. If you look at last, just going off of last year's stats alone, when Ezekiel Elliott did not rush for over 100 yards, Dak Prescott played poorly. He only had two wins in the nine games that that Zeke didn't rush for over 100 yards. Dak only had two wins in those nine games. So two for seven when he didn't carry the load like that, which is, and some of those should have been easy wins for the Cowboys. So for him to go out and ask for $40 million a year after that kind of a season... I don't think so. And you know who is sitting back watching this thinking, please get $40 million a year? Patrick Mahomes. If Dak Prescott can get $40 million a year, can you imagine what Patrick Mahomes would go out and ask for? That would be insane. I mean, you can he would sit there and say, okay, I'll ask for $50, $60 million a year. But as a quarterback, now I get it with Patrick Mahomes. He's got his Super Bowl and... That's fine. But Dak Prescott, why would you want to handcuff the Cowboys like that? Now, you already know that they have absurd contracts out there already. We're talking about Demarcus Lawrence. And they need to re-sign Amari Cooper. And Cooper's come out and said he doesn't want to leave Dallas. He wants to be a Cowboys for the rest of his career. But you handicap the team by asking for that much money. Now, if you're the Cowboys and Jerry Jones, do you look at that and are you insulted by that number that he threw out there, $40 million? Like, are you kidding me? After the season you just had, you're, there's no way you're worth $40 million a year. And as good a quarterback it is, if I'm an owner in the NFL, I'm not paying anybody $40 million a year. You're just you're setting your, you're setting your team up for failure. It's just, it makes no sense to demand that kind of money. I mean, I, well, it makes sense as a player, you're, you want to get all the money you can, but $40 million for Dak Prescott. I mean, he had 4,900 yards last season. Okay. But a lot of that was garbage time yards, 30 INT, 30 touchdowns to only 11 INTs. It's not, that's not a bad number, but does that warrant asking for that much money? I mean, the guys one and two in the playoffs. They, when they needed him to get them a win the most against the Eagles in Week 15, he 
had no – he threw for no touch, and he didn't have any touchdown passes. What I mean, and his quarterback rating was 74.5. Terrible. Terrible. Completion percentage was only 56 in that game. It's just he doesn't show up when they need him to. Like I said, when Zeke doesn't rush the ball for over 100 yards, Dak can't carry the load by himself. And you can't – he can't say he doesn't have the weapons around him. He had Cooper. He had – well, Witten's old, but we won't count him. But he has the he has Zeke. He has a really good offensive line, and he can't get it done. So him asking for forty million dollars a year, and it's just I, I'm interested to see what Jerry Jones says. And he hasn't came out and said anything yet, which I'm surprised. And what about the Cowboys fans? Do Cowboys fans like Dak enough to say, hey, yeah, pay him. He's our quarterback for the future. Or do they say, no, that's that's far too much money. We can keep, bring somebody else in and, you know, let's move on from Dak. It was a, you know, failed experiment. The Cowboys do have the 17th overall pick in the first round. Maybe they can try to move up and pick a quarterback. It's a pretty deep quarterback class this year. But they do, and they do have until uh, March 12th to franchise tag. Dak and they can hold on to him for another season and maybe he'll play for play under the franchise tag and maybe he won't and if he does he better have a darn good season because you just offer you just uh ask for 40 million dollars a year you better go out and win the Super Bowl and have an MVP season and be the MVP of the Super Bowl because if not you're not getting anywhere near that I would I would give Dak Prescott maybe 20 to 25 million a year it, it, that that's about the price range I would go with Dak. He it, it'd be tough for the Cowboys to move on from him because they don't have a plan B. If they had a plan B, like the Saints can can move on from Drew Brees because they have Taysom Hill and they also have Teddy Bridgewater, so they can move on. It would be the transition would be easier for them. They don't have to give in to all the money that Drew Brees wants. The Cowboys, on the other hand, they don't have that backup plan. They don't have the the next guy up to say, hey. And, I mean, you can't blame them because Dak's a, a young guy and they believed he was the future. He, he is the future of the Cowboys. But to be wanting that much money, it's it's tough to see. And is that going to sour Jerry Jones's relationship with him now? Like, hey, why are you sitting here coming to me asking for all this money? It's It's crazy. It's way too much. I'm not paying you that. Go test the free agent market or you know or maybe they'll do a sign and trade. Who knows? It'll be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. 40 million dollars is a lot of money like I said. Patrick Mahomes is sitting there at home saying, "Oh man, I hope he gets that 40 million. Come on, give it to him Dallas because Patrick Mahomes is coming off a Super Bowl winning season and is, you know, he's need he's in need of a new contract and if Dak, if Dak can command $40 million, just imagine what Patrick Mahomes is going to want. That's that's crazy. All right, let's uh, talk a little free agency here. The, excuse me, the Buffalo Bills signing Josh Norman to a one-year deal. That's a pretty decent pickup for Buffalo. Their secondary is already really good, and you add another little cog there. If Norman can give you know, any type of production to them, It'll be a step up. We'll see. He reunites with his old 
um, defensive coordinator from the Panthers, uh, Sean McDermott. So McDermott will know how to use him. And, yeah, and he joins uh, all-pro cornerback Tredavious White. So you have White on one side and you have Josh Norman on another. That's, that's, that'll be competitive. It'll be interesting to see. And we'll see if Tom Brady does go back to New England. If he doesn't, Buffalo could win that division. For the first time in forever, New England might be in trouble. If no Tom Brady, but you can't ever count out Bill Belichick. And uh, the Jets also uh, releasing quarterback Tremaine Johnson. He signed a deal back in 2018 for five years, $72.5 million. That's a crazy deal. Uh, he was a free agent coming off a pretty good season with the Rams, and the Jets were in desperate need of a shutdown corner, so they decided to pick up Tremaine and pay him that <laughs> crazy amount of money. They get, they, he got $34 million guaranteed on that deal. And $20 million of that was, a, I believe, included a signing bonus. So they're going to take a pretty hard hit in the cap. And their defense just took a hit. I mean, Terrain Johnson wasn't the greatest quarterback, cornerback. But he did definitely help that defense. We'll see how they move on. The, the draft is pretty stocked with the DBs this year. So I'm, I look for them to go out and probably pick somebody up in the draft. For a little cheap, for on the cheap, and we'll see. Uh, so we got one team getting rid of some extra weight there, and another adding what they hope can be a key piece in future success for Buffalo. It'll, so we'll see how the NFC, or excuse me, the AFC East plays out. Tom Brady coming back, and if not, if Tom Brady doesn't come back, I think Buffalo has that division. Let's talk a little NBA basketball now and the race for the league's MVP. It's pretty much down to just two players. You got Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Bucks and LeBron James of the Lakers. Unfortunately, Giannis has been injured the last couple games. He's suffered a left knee sprain against the Lakers on Friday night. Now, this injury could hurt his chances of winning back-to-back MVP awards, especially if LeBron James continues to go out and play the way he has been playing which is incredible, his 17th season, and the guy's averaging 25 points, 7 boards, and 10 assists in the Western Conference. Now, don't get me wrong, Giannis is a monster, he's a beast, but he plays in a weak Eastern Conference. LeBron James plays out West. You know, you got the Clippers, you got the Rockets, you got the Mavericks. It's a a tough, it's a way tougher route to the finals in the West. And the East just has no stars. There's no superstars in the Eastern Conference. You got Giannis is a I don't I wouldn't even say Giannis is a superstar yet. He doesn't transcend to the level as LeBron James does. And that's why I think LeBron is the league's most valuable player, especially with the season he's having. I mean, like I said, seventeenth year in the league. And he's going out and putting up these kind of numbers against teams like, look at what he did the other night against the Clippers. It's, and everybody's all season, or bef- excuse me, before the season, hey, the Clippers, now they got Kawhi, they got Paul George, they're going to go out and they're the favorites. I think the Lakers might have turned that around a little bit. Some people still pick the Clippers to win the NBA Finals. They went out and picked up just picked up Joakim Noah. But the Lakers... A lot of people now kind of pick the Lakers to win it, and that's because of the way LeBron James has been playing, lights out. And LeBron James just recently, him and the Lakers beat Giannis and the Bucks, and they beat him pretty handedly. It wasn't 
you know, in the second half, it wasn't really close. So I I would have Giannis not winning back-to-back awards. I would have LeBron, you know, winning again, winning his another MVP award and he's he's just the league's best player still. And which is crazy to think at this stage in his career, he's still the league's best player. I mean, it sure isn't James Harden who doesn't play a lick of defense and gasses out. He's already you can already see him gassing out, and he's got he's got help with Russell Westbrook, and he's they're still struggling in the West. So, like I said, Giannis plays in a a weaker conference. So, and I'm not taking anything away from Giannis Antetokounmpo. That guy is a beast, but LeBron James is on another level. He's on his revenge tour, and you can tell he's out there, you know, 17th season in the league, having fun, doing things he probably shouldn't be doing at that age, you know, but he's getting it done, and he's going to win another MVP, or he should at least win uh, another MVP Giannis missing time, and we don't know how long he's going to be out. Like I said, he's missed two games already, and the Bucks are currently on a three-game losing streak. Two of those games was without Giannis, and they were bad losses, which goes to show you, I mean, they really heavily rely on Giannis, but he's just hes not the league's most valuable player. That award is LeBron James this year. So it'll be, and I'm sorry for you Bucks fans being out here in the Midwest. Like I said, I don't want to, I'm not knocking the guy. He's phenomenal, and I would love to start a team around Giannis Antetokounmpo. But it's just not his year this year. You know, he won it last year. Great for him. But this is LeBron James' year. He's, he's the league's most valuable player, and he should definitely, definitely win it this year. All right, now uh, let's talk some baseball here. Uh, Barry Bonds recently had an interview with The Athletic where he told or where during the interview he said that Major League Baseball has given him a death sentence. It boggles my mind. Well, you know, this is a controversial topic. Some people think he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Some people think he should be. You know, they are they argue well, he's part of the whole steroid era and we don't want these guys in the Hall of Fame. Look, the guy was putting up Hall of Fame numbers before the steroid scandal. So I I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't think he, I think he's been given a bad rap. He doesn't I mean if Mark McGuire's a hitting coach somewhere and I think Barry Bonds' only stint back with Major League Baseball was in 2016 with the Marlins. I, I mean, come on. The guy never admitted to taking steroids although he allegedly told a grand jury that he took a substance with which prosecutors say had steroids in it but he never tested positive for steroids did he juice up i mean more than likely you could see the how he big he bulked up but the guy was a hall of fame player before all that this this the roids just added to his home run record and now he's the home run king. But, I mean, it, had he been popped for steroids and and tested, you know, positive for it, okay, well, you have an argument of, you know, nah, you can't really put him in. But the guy never tested positive. I think he should go into the Hall of Fame. He's If I was a writer who was voting, 
I get it. You guys have your whole written, the baseball unwritten rules. And, you know, I, I love baseball. You know, it's my, you know, hands down, my, probably my favorite of the, of the three big sports in the U.S. But sometimes you just, you got to make those tough decisions. And I think Barry Bonds going into the Hall of Fame should be one of those decisions you should make. I mean, the guy had a great career. Hall of Fame numbers he put up. No, and I'm not just talking about the the 762 home runs he hit. The guy was a great base dealer, pretty decent defender, but he was a hitter. He was one of the, he'll go down as one of the best hitters of all time. And to not have him in the Hall of Fame is just it's it sucks. I I think he should go in. I but these these guys in this era they've been blacklisted and. You know, their t- writers are taking a stance like, no, we don't want these guys in the Hall of Fame. Let's see if they take the this, sta- this same approach when it comes to these Astro players when they retire and it's all said and done because you know they came out and admitted to cheating. So I don't want to hear, I don't ever want to hear about the Astros players or coaches or anything, anything like that getting nods to get into the Hall of Fame. I'm sorry. But as soon as you admitted to cheating and as soon as the scandal came out, you lost all privileges to that Hall of Fame in my book. And they got off lucky because the commissioner just gave them a little slap on the hand. And if it was me, I would have suspended the guys for 81 seasons, 81 games, which is, you know, half a season. And that's 81 games that they play at home and which they were cheating. And then if that hurts the Astros chances of making the playoffs or whatever well too bad you know suffer and i would have made them forfeit the world series championship that year and it was just it would be a vacant nobody won the world series that year i definitely wouldn't have gave it to the dodgers but yeah going back to barry bonds he's man watching that guy swing a bat just it it was awe-inspiring but i mean a lot of people are gonna say well it's because of the steroids yeah, the steroids gave him power, but he was still a good hitter before the steroid scandal. He was a he reminded me a lot of Ricky Henderson. I mean, not as fast, obviously, but he had that Ricky Henderson type of talent. And for him not to be in the Hall of Fame, and I'm not even a Giants fan, but I think he should be. And I don't think he should be blacklisted the way he has been. It's it's time to move on with that. He, like I said, he never tested positive. He wasn't in front of the grand jury like a Rafael Palmero, you know, adamantly telling the the jury and prosecutors and everybody, I I didn't take steroids and this is absurd and this and that. Now, if he would have came out and did all that, okay, well then that makes him look bad and absolutely maybe he shouldn't be in. But he was never that kind of guy. We're learning more about that deal between the Milwaukee Brewers and outfielder Christian Yelich. Yelich recently signed a nine-year, $215 million contract with Milwaukee. And the reason why this deal is even more interesting is starting in 2022 through 2028, $4 million of Yelich's $26 million annual salary will be deferred so that money will be taken out and paid out to Yelich at a later time and he'll be receiving that deferred money 
up until the year 2042. Uh, if this sounds familiar, it's because Bobby Bonilla has something similar going on with the New York Mets. So back in 2000, the Mets bought out Bobby Bonilla's uh, contract, but Bonilla and the Mets agreed that every July 1st, which is now known as Bobby Bonilla Day, the Mets would pay Bonilla $1 million, and that lasts until 2035. So Yelich has pretty much set himself up if he wants to retire or play out his contract, you know, regardless. So his contract runs through 2028. That deal would last up until 2042. So we have, what is that, 14-year difference? So 14 years after the contract is up, he'll be getting $4 million of deferred money to him. That, that's a great deal. It'll be interesting to see if more you know, these younger guys kind of work this deferred type money deal into their contracts coming up. Um, you know, Yelich has set himself up if he wants to call it a quits and hang up his gloves after, hang up his glove after 2028, the Brewers, he'll still be getting paid out. That's, that's awesome. I'm glad to see he was thinking life after baseball there a little bit. He's also plenty of incentives in this deal. Yelich will get a hundred thousand if he wins the league MVP again. If he comes into in second place in voting, he'll get seventy five thousand, and if he finishes in third place in voting, he'll get fifty thousand. So there's a, it's a great deal. Um, I'm glad to see Yelich re-signed with Milwaukee, staying in the Milwaukee area in Wisconsin. He could have easily left and commanded probably upwards of three hundred million dollars wherever he went, but he wanted to stay. He loved the people of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and they've treated him right, and he thought there was no reason for him to go out and leave. He liked playing there. And kudos to him for hopefully maybe setting a standard for, you know, these younger guys showing them, hey, you know, if you're going to sign these big deals, make sure you're going to get paid out after baseball or after the contract is over as well. Or if if they buy out the contract, make sure you're still going to get money because you know you're not always promised anything after sports not everybody wants not everybody has what it takes to be an announcer or a coach or anything like that and sports is all a lot of people know or a lot of these athletes know and so ha- having that extra source there a source of income would be awesome I'm glad I'm glad for him switch it up and talk a little mixed martial arts now UFC 248 taking place over the weekend. Two main events, two headliners here were two title fights and two completely opposite fights. Man, were they opposite. And one was a letdown and one was a fight for <laughs> fight for the ages. Uh, the main event was middleweight champion Israel Adesanya defending his title, successfully defending his title against contender Yoel Romero, uh, the 185 middleweight title. And, wow, this, from jump, this fight was just weird. You had Romero standing in the center of the octagon with his, just covering his face, just standing, not moving, not doing anything, just standing there, covering up his head. It was, I guess he was trying to entice uh, the last style bender to come in and, and trade with him. It was just really awkward. And then the whole fight... Crowd starts booing early. There's lack of action. I mean, it wasn't really a good look for the UFC, but 
you know, the fight that stole the show, thankfully, was the fight before that, the co-main event, and that which should have been the main event. Maybe you maybe UFC president Dana White will start thinking about putting the women on last if there's you know men title fights on the on the card. Who knows? But you know we had then the women's straw weight title up for grabs with champion uh, Zhang Wei Li defending her title against Joanna Young Jacek. Um, what wow! What a war these two had. This is hands down the best women's title fight, best women's fight probably in mixed martial arts history. And Joanna, whew, she walked out of that thing with serious hematomas on her forehead. I mean, she looked completely unrecognizable. That that was just she looked like Frankenstein's monster after that fight. You know, Whaley just kept targeting that thing, man. It just pounding it and pounding that same spot on her forehead. They these two were throwing hands, landing. How they how neither one of them had the lights turned out just blew my mind because they were landing some vicious kicks and punches, elbows, you name it. They they threw it all out there and it was just an amazing fight watching these two warriors battle. And it'll be interesting to see who Wei Li gets next. Uh, and who Joanna gets next. I mean, neither one. Joanna can't hang her head on that performance. Coming into this fight, I thought Wei Lee was just going to take it to Joanna and pretty much do what Rose Namajunas did and just get up, you know, in her face and pummel her and just really take the fight to her. But, you know, to Joanna's credit, she, she hung in there and they were trading. They were, they were fighting in a, you know, phone booth at times. It was, it's everything you would want to see in a mixed martial arts fight. You, you know, neither fighter backing down. You know, their heart, their hearts of warriors were just on full display in that thing. I really enjoyed this fight, and it probably goes down as one of top ten fights in UFC history. Maybe I, it's hard to argue. Not, I mean, yeah, back and forth. And just when you thought Wei Li was gassing out in the, you know, end of the third round, she comes back and she looks fresher than ever in the fourth round. And she's just taking it to Joanna, but Joanna's not backing down. Joanna's got kicks and she rocks Wei Li a couple times. But, you know, Wei Li, there was one point in the fight where both fighters threw hooks and landed. It was like something you would see out a movie where both fighters land their hooks at the same time and they both get staggered off of that it, it was amazing to see and i i really look forward to watching whaley defend her title again and that'll be interesting to see where that goes so yeah the next next up for the ufc is going to be uh fight night 170 and that'll be kevin lee taking on uh, Charles Oliveira in the main event there. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to really watch that one. Then you have UFC on ESPN 8, Francis Ngamu against, I don't even want to butcher this guy's name, so I'll, I won't say it, but the return of Francis Ngamu in that one. And in the co-main event, you know, Cody Garbrandt returns and he's taking on Rafael Sunsau. 
And this is a fight I've actually been wanting to see for a while. Sun Tzu was originally supposed to fight Garbrandt earlier on in, in Garbrandt's career, but I believe Sun Tzu was injured, so I don't think they were able to fight. And then the big one is UFC 249, and that's a little over a month away. That's at the Barclay Center, and that's uh, the return of the king, Khabib Nurmagomedov, and he's uh, taking on Tony Ferguson. That is going to be an awesome fight. I can't, I really look forward to that. I think Tony Ferguson is a really bad matchup for Khabib. Tony's got awesome ground game and his stand up is really good. Khabib might be in trouble in this one. Uh, It's going to be a, I think it's going to be a great fight. We'll see if Khabib can overpower Tony in this and just keep him down, keep him and not get caught in something because because Tony's his jujitsu is you know top notch. He can he can get you if you leave you know a limb or your neck out there. And the co-main event of that one is Jessica Andrade fighting uh, Rose Namajunas. That that'll be a good one. So I look forward to to the slate of UFC fights coming up. Well, that'll do it for me today. And thanks everybody for tuning in. Till next time, I'm out. <laughs>